Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? Doing all right? Some of you are watching online. Some of you are are here, obviously, this morning. And uh, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, One of my favorite events that we do... Uh, and I'm sure we'll announce it a little later today. Uh, but one of my favorite events that we do as a church is our pumpkin party. And the reason that I, I love our pumpkin party, that's something that's going to be coming up uh, here in the next, uh, next Saturday. But one of the reasons I love our pumpkin party so much, one, it's, it, it takes place during the fall and, you know, fall weather. And I, and I just like the fall. But one of the big reasons that I love our pumpkin party is because I remember our very first one we did before we even launched. And I think we've got a few pictures of, of that first one. In 2018, we did our first one. And if you don't know the, the history, the very short history of City Walk Church, uh, in the spring and summer of 2018, uh, there were four families that moved from Florida to this area. And uh, we met up with a, a few families that were already in this area. And uh, we started to just be involved in different events in the city. Uh, we started to try to connect with people and, and just get to know people. My wife grew up in Marysville, and so we had a connection. Uh, but we just started kind of getting to know people. And then our very first kind of public event that we did, and we didn't know if one person was going to show up or we, we didn't know anything, was we had a, our very first community interest party in August of 2018, and we had it at Steelhouse Coffee. And I remember leading up to that first event, man, we, we were putting out invitations all over the place. We were putting stuff on social media and just inviting everybody that we knew to come to this interest party. And we, we bought all this food from the like different local places. And we didn't know, like, are we going to end up eating all this food ourselves? Is, there, is anybody going to show up? We just invited and invited and invited. And I remember, and I, yeah, here's a picture uh, of Steelhouse Coffee that night. We had such an awesome night. And what's cool is some of you I met for the first time that night uh, at Steelhouse Coffee. And, and we, we did that event and it went really well. And, and then we did another event like that in September. We decided, hey, that went really well, so let's do another one in September. And that one went well too. But then what we said is, you know what? The coffee thing, is it's kind of getting old. And, and we've done that twice. So what could we do in October that would be something for the community. And, and somebody, probably it wasn't me, it wasn't my idea probably, somebody said, let's do something in a park with pumpkins in fall. And we said, okay, let's do it. And so we, we put on this pumpkin painting party and we had several hundred people from the community and it was an awesome day. And again, we invited a bunch of people and we weren't sure. We were like, Man, we got all these pumpkins, and maybe each of our families is going to get to paint 20 pumpkins each, or maybe we're going to actually have some people show up. But we invited people, and it was a really fun day. And I think that's why 
the pumpkin party to me is, is such a special event because of what I remember. And I remember that nervousness as we just invited and invited and prayed and then watching God just bring different people. And it was really in that, that first season of our church that we as a, kind of a launch team, we were reminded of the power of an invitation. We were reminded of how important it is to invite people and how God could take a little invitation and he could use that invitation to, to do something really big and connect somebody to a church that would have never been connected before. And, and you know this, you, you know this, that every single day, whether we really think about it or not, we're bombarded with invitations. Some of the invitations we're bombarded with, they're absurd. I mean, you've gotten the email from, from the bank in Africa that wants to transfer $2 million to your account. If you'll just send them some information, they have been waiting for you. They've got all this money available. They're just, they just need you to, they invite you to send a few things to them and they can get that money transferred today. And you just, now nah, that's, and we, hopefully you say nah to that, but those are absurd. You get those types of invitations that are absurd. Then you get other invitations throughout your day and, and, and they seem small and minimal. It's the, you're sitting in your, your room reading and your kid says, hey dad, the Wi-Fi is down. Can you come into the living room and fix it? Again, just a small invitation or you're at lunch and your waitress says, hey, would you, can I put cheese on that sandwich for you? And you have invitations are small ones. So you have these absurd ones, you have small ones that you know, you're seeing all throughout your day. But then there's some big invitations too. There's some invitations that we get that are life-changing. Like if, if, if you're, you're a lady and a dude ever gets down on his knee and he has a ring in his hand, that's a pretty big invitation. And what you say to that is you know, probably going to change your life one way or the other. An invitation to church. Some of you would say, you know what? Man, my life was changed because somebody said, come to church with me. We're bombarded with invitations. We have invitations and some are big, some are small, some are life-changing. But we're bombarded with invitations. And this morning, you have two invitations before you, just like I do. We, we have two invitations that I want to talk about this morning in the book of Proverbs that we have before us, and, and, and they're two invitations to two different events. They're hosted by two totally different people, and the people that are hosting these events have totally different goals for you if you come to their event. And here's what you need to know about these two invitations before we talk about them whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, the choice you and I make between the invitations will dramatically affect your life, but it will also dramatically affect the lives of those that you love most, that are closest to you. Which invitation you take and which invitation you say yes to will dramatically affect your life and it will also dramatically affect the lives of those closest to you. And you already know this. Because some of your happiest and saddest moments in your life were caused by someone close to you saying yes to one of those two invitations. 
As you think back over your life, you, you look at some of the, the things that were the heart, biggest heartbreaks in your life, and you look at some of the, the happiest moments in your life, and the catalyst to those moments was somebody close to you saying yes to one of those two invitations. And, and you were, because you were close to them, you felt what happened. You were impacted by the answer they had. And the invitations that we're going to be introduced to are from a guy by the name of Solomon. Solomon, we introduced him last week. He, he was a son of David. Uh, he was the third king in Israel. Uh, he was a guy that around the world, he was known for two things. He, he, was known, I mean, he was known worldwide by two things. He was known first because of his astounding wisdom. Uh, he was such a wise man, he, he spoke or wrote 3,000 proverbs. He had people that would come from all over the world to just listen to his insight, to hear about his decision-making process. They just wanted to be around him. They wanted to learn from him. Leaders from all over the world would come just to sit and listen to his wisdom. So he was known around the world for his wisdom, but he was also known around the world for his crazy money. He was a guy, and I said this last week, that just one stream of income for Solomon, just one of his streams of income, was he received 25 tons of gold every year of his 40-year reign. That's just one of his income streams. So this guy, man, he, he, was, he was not lining up at the food stamp office anytime soon. Like, he was going to be okay. He was going to make it. If the year was a bad year, he was still going to be all right. And he was known around the world for this wisdom and for this, this money that, I mean, absurd money that in today's money would have been $2 trillion. And that's what he was known for. And in the book of Proverbs, which he wrote most of it, he almost as a dad would sit down with his daughter or his son. He, he shares wisdom and insight with the hope that those that hear it would grasp it and that they would take it and they would use it. And so you, if you read through Proverbs, you, you, you hear a, a dad's heart. You hear him just wanting his son, his daughter to grab hold of the wisdom and really apply it. And, and he tells us in, in Proverbs chapter 9, and it'll, here in a second, we'll put the verses on the screen and they're in the app for you. In Proverbs chapter 9, uh, Solomon introduces the two people that are offering you an invitation. He, he, he says the, the one person's name and it is wisdom. You, you get an invitation and he's going to tell us, he says, you have an invitation that's coming to you from wisdom. And, and he, he gives wisdom a personality. You'll see that throughout uh, Proverbs. He gives wisdom a personality. So you have wisdom that's giving you an invitation, but you also have another invitation, and you have an invitation from folly. And again, he does the same thing. He gives folly a, a personality, and he says, okay, you've got these two invitations before you, and in Proverbs chapter 9, he lays out these invitations because you're going to decide on one of the two. There's like no middle ground. You either go to this party or this party. You go to one of the two. And as we consider these invitations, the lesson that Solomon pointed out thousands of years later is just as relevant today. And here's, here's the lesson. The most important decision I will ever make is who I say yes to. 
The the most important decision, and this was applicable when he wrote this thousands of years ago, and this is just applicable today, whether you are a follower of Jesus, whether you're skeptical of faith, whether you're a teenager, college student, grandma, single mom, this, this lesson is so true today, just like it was when he wrote it. The most important decision I will ever make is who I say yes to, which invitation I accept. And so let's consider the first one. Let's consider in in Proverbs chapter 9, let's consider the invitation from wisdom. It says this. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Basically what he's saying is, hey, wisdom's holding an event at her house. And her house, the seven pillars, means, man, this is a well-built house. She's got space for everybody, man. She's inviting you to her house for this event. And it says this in in verse 2. She slaughtered her beast. She's mixed her wine. She has also set her table. I mean, wisdom has taken time to prepare an incredible meal. She's taken time to put together a beautiful table and set it for this party, for this event. And this is one of those meals that, man, this isn't like a jack-in-the-box meal. Like this is, and you've had a few of these in your life, if you think back, and I know we're not too close to lunch, so I hope this doesn't make you too hungry, but, but you know this. I mean, you have meals. There's like, you can go to Red Robin, or you can go to, you know, whatever's around here, get a, get a breakfast at Linda's, and it's a good meal. But you're, you're not remembering that meal. Like, you're not, uh, you're not two weeks from now saying, you will not believe the eggs I had at Linda's. Goodness, you have got to get there. Like, okay, it was a good meal, but it's not like, it's not like you're not remembering. It wasn't an experience. It was just eating food. But then you've also had some meals. Maybe it was on your honeymoon or it was on a vacation or it was the anniversary meal that, that you and your spouse went to. And, man, you went to that restaurant that you would never go to. And you even justify it to your friends like, oh, we we would never usually go here, but for this special occasion, we're going to go. And you remember that meal because that meal wasn't just a meal. It was an experience like the service, the food. You didn't even need a knife to cut that steak, man. It was awesome. And and you get, if, if you're lucky, man, you get three or four of those meals in your life that you just can remember and they were an experience. And that's what this is. Man, wisdom is saying, hey, I'm inviting you. I've prepared this meal. This is, the setting's going to be beautiful. And I've put a lot of time into making this meal special. And then verse 3 says this, because you've got to invite some people. You've got to get the word out. She says this in verse 3. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. They didn't have Facebook. She couldn't like, hey, we're going to create a Facebook event and invite everybody. It was no... Here's how they invited people. Hey, go find the highest place in our town where you can get up on the highest place, maybe the city wall, and and whoever's got the biggest voice out of our group, you get up there and you invite people to come to the event. You get the word out. And, And that's what they did. She sent people out to invite them to this event. And verse four, here's what it says. Whoever is simple... Does any, I mean, we, we usually don't like to be known as simple. That, that word means foolish, naive, gullible. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, 
So, so if you lack some sense, you're not good at judgment, this invitation is for you. She says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. And so when she gives out this invitation, there's this really important part of the invitation that if you're going to come to this party, you have to know you need to be there. See, if you don't think you need this party, she doesn't want you there. But if you know, you know what? I struggle with my judgment. I'm foolish sometimes. I'm simple-minded. I, I'm, you know, and there's, I'm not always right. I don't always have the answers. I don't always have the right wisdom. I make bad decisions. If you're that person, then this invitation is for you. If you know it all and you don't need any help, then there's probably another party for you, but it's not this one. You have to know you need to be there if you're going to accept this invitation. And the idea of the words that really think, you think about is, is humility, teachability. If you're coming to this party, you need to be humble. You need to be teachable. You need to know you need to be there. I mean, we've all met people that from the outside were like, come on, dude, you are struggling. But they so don't know that. And we feel bad for them because it's like, we all know you don't have the answers, but you think you do. And that's what's sad. And what wisdom is saying is, hey, I've prepared this awesome meal in this incredible setting, but I'm, I'm calling people that need me, that are simple, that need better judgment, that make foolish decisions. I, I need, those are the people that are invited. And then verse 6 says, and, and here's kind of something that's pretty important about this invitation too is, she says in verse 5, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. But then in verse 6, it says this, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Let me read that again. You can put verse 6 on the screen. It says this, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And so in order to get to this party, you got to leave some things. You, you got to, that word leave simply means it means to abandon. It means to depart from. You've got to leave your simple ways. And, the, and then it says, and live. So that, that idea means if you don't leave your simple ways, then there's going to be some part of life that you don't get. There's a part of life that you're going to miss if you don't leave your simple ways. See, the enemy, and, and, and you know this, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you know this. The enemy tells you the opposite. He says, if you leave your ways, you're going to miss out. If you follow God's ways, it's going to box you in. What wisdom is saying is, hey, in order to experience life, in order to really live, you need to leave your simple ways. You need to leave your foolishness. You need to, to come to this party. You've got to leave some things. See, wisdom invites us to abandon foolishness and allow wisdom from God to be our guide. See, all throughout Scripture, and, and we don't have time to go through all of it, but all throughout Scripture, you see God leaning in to people who know they need Him. 
God leaning. And when people say, you know what, I don't have all the wisdom. I I make foolish decisions. I don't have all the answers. But man, I, I want to walk in wisdom. I want to follow your path. I want to say yes to this invitation. You see God lean into those people. Just just a few examples. Psalms 19.7 says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Another verse in Psalms 116 verse 6 says this. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Psalm 119 uh, says this. In, In 119 verse 130, it says this. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. See, the starting line for wisdom is reverence for God. We know that. We we talked about that last week. And in order to have reverence for God, you have to know you need Him. If you don't know you need Him, you you don't revere Him. But, But... Today you're being invited just like I am. We're being invited. We're being offered two invitations. We're being offered an invitation from wisdom that says, hey, you got to leave your way. You got to leave your simple ways. You got to know you need wisdom, but I'm inviting you to something that's going to give you life that you wouldn't have if you don't say yes. But not only did wisdom send you an invitation, but also so did folly. And Solomon lays out a little bit more about that invitation. And honestly, it's real important that we look at both so that you and I can make an informed decision. He says this in verse 13. It says this, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. See, see, folly, she's different than wisdom. She's one of those people that has a lot to say, but is most of what she has to say is empty at best and destructive at worst. She's got a lot to say. She's loud. She's boisterous. She's the, the loudest voice in the room, but yet her words don't have a lot to them. There's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of truth, but she's definitely loud. It says this, verse 14, she sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of town. See, unlike wisdom, she's not prepared anything. She's not put time into a meal and and preparing for those that are going to come. But she is going to invite people. And she's probably going to be a lot louder than wisdom. Her voice might be bigger and louder and more provocative than wisdom. And she's counting on that working. And so it says this in verse 15. She says, Calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. And to him who lacks sense, she says. See, he's, she's, she's doing the same thing. Maybe, she's, maybe wisdom's people are, are inviting from this part of the city wall. And maybe she's just on the other part of the city wall. And she's looking for people that don't want to go where she's going. They're, they're, they're heading... The, the right way. They have no intention of making a bad decision. And those are the people that she's going after. And so she invites. She's loud. She's manipulative. She, she, here's what she says. She, she says, you know what? And, and you know this. We all know this intuitively. Like wisdom, when, when wisdom invited us, wisdom was straightforward and told us what it would cost. 
Wisdom told us in order to come here, you're going to have to leave some things. You're going to have to abandon some things. Folly doesn't tell us that. See, folly just says, hey, just turn in here for a little while. And here's what we all know intuitively. Folly will always keep you longer than you planned on staying and will always cost you more than you planned on paying. Because folly is manipulative. Folly doesn't tell you the whole story up front. Folly lies just to get you to turn in. And then the destruction comes. And so that's what folly does. She's inviting. She's whoever is simple, turn in here. And to him who lacks wisdom or sense, she says, verse 17, here's her, her grand invitation. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. See, wisdom's invitation was to a feast. Folly's invitation is to stolen water and bread. But here's what folly's counting on. That you're going to be attracted, attracted to something that's forbidden. You're going to be attracted to something that's secret. And so she says, yeah, you know, if you just put like the feast of wisdom and all that goes with that, and then you put some stolen water and bread just on a table next to each other, it's like, duh. But, but she thinks, hey, if we, if we can make this secretive and we can, we can pretend this is forbidden, that this is going to draw people in. And, and the enemy knows this. He's been using this tactic for years, forever. He's been using this tactic all the way back to Adam and Eve to basically put together something that really is worth nothing but manipulating people from turning their back, to turn their back on something that is great and go with something that is destructive and empty. And that's what she does. She promotes that which is attractive and forbidden because she thinks that, you know what? This attractiveness, this forbiddenness is going to have people turn away from what's best. Because it's been working forever. Why change? But here's what verse 18 says. But he, those who's accepting the invitations, it says this. But he does not know that the dead are there. That her guests are in the depths of Sheol. See, Folly's invitation is disguised as a feast, but it's really a funeral. See, as she invites people to turn in, it says, and you can read through Proverbs at other places where it says, like an ox being led to the slaughter doesn't even know what's about to happen. That's what this is. It's the, the person that says, oh, folly sounds tempting. Okay, I'm going to turn in here, but I'm not going to stay long. I'm not going to stay long. It's not going to affect my life that much. I'm just going to turn in just for a few minutes. I'm just going to have a little bit of stolen water and bread, and then I'll go back to wisdom's feast. I'm just going to turn in for a little while. And the scriptures say, and Solomon saw this even in his own family. He says, you don't know that the dead are there. That people that turn in, they don't leave. They're like an ox that's being led to the slaughter and they have a smile on their face because they don't even know it. And that's what folly's inviting us to. See, 
the consequences of saying yes to folly's invitation impact our life now, but they also, they also impact our eternity. And Solomon, he, he pointed out, he, he tried to, as clear as he could, he tried to point out that, hey, wisdom leads to life. The, the path of wisdom, the, the saying yes to wisdom, it, it will lead to life. But then he points out that if we accept folly's invitation and reject God's wisdom, it leads to death. And again, nobody has to like, convince us of this. Because we've all seen this. When we say yes to folly, it leads to things dying. It leads to physical death. I mean, bottom line, when we make unwise decisions and we hang out with people that make unwise decisions, it can affect us physically. Like people die because they do stupid things. Like we all know that. But it also leads to relational death. That marriage that broke up, that, that issue with your friend, like it kills relationships. When we say yes to Folly's invitation, not only does it affect us physically, but it also kills things spiritually. Marriages are broken. People have been scarred emotionally because they said yes to Folly. It kills relationally, but it also kills spiritually. It leads to spiritual death. Solomon, at the very end of this, he says... He mentions the depths of Sheol. And you're like, what in the world? We're not supposed to say a word like that in church. What is Sheol? Basically, what Sheol is, if you, if you look at what it means, it, it basically is a place that refers to a place of the dead, a place of no return, characterized by darkness and torment. We don't, in, in, in church, you know, like, I don't like talking about hell too much. I mean, I don't love it. But Jesus did. I mean, he didn't love it, but he talked about it. He talked about it. And, and, and it, it, Solomon wanted to make clear, like, this whole, like, invitation is a lot bigger than one meal, man. Like, like you say yes to wisdom, it leads to life, both in this life, but the life to come. When you say yes to God's way, it leads to life. But when you say yes to folly's way... Man, yeah, you can do your life the the way you want, and things are going to get killed along the way. You're going to be scarred, and other people are going to be scarred. And in the end of this thing, you can live however you want. But at the end of the story, somebody has to pay for your sin. And in that case, you've decided to pay for it yourself. And that means you spend eternity in a place called hell paying for it. It leads to physical death. And Solomon, he's the wisest man that ever lived. He's just trying to, as as best he can, in as clear of a way as he could, he tries to lay out the two invitations. And he tries to to lay out the, 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 the paths that both will lead to so that we can make an informed decision. But again, remember, he's sitting down with his son, with his daughter, with people that are close to him. He's He's not trying to manipulate anybody. He just loves the person he's sharing this with, and he just wants to make it as clear as possible so that they can make an informed decision. See, the thing that that you know and I know, no matter where you are as it relates to faith, is we understand intuitively the impact of our decision between folly and wisdom. 
Like whether you grew up in church or not, whether you are a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here investigating faith, maybe you're kind of coming back to faith, you're not sure what you believe. Like intuitively, no matter where you are on the faith spectrum, we all know that this decision impacts us in a big way. And here's why we know. Here's why nobody has to convince us of this. Because we saw a first marriage blow up. Because somebody chose folly instead of wisdom. And maybe it wasn't our marriage. Maybe we were the kid in the marriage that that had to choose who I was going to go live with because somebody chose folly over wisdom. And so we, we, nobody has to convince us that, yeah, this has impact because we felt it. We've watched friends and family members destroyed by substance abuse. We've, we've seen the destruction, no matter whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we've all seen it. Nobody has to convince us that, hey, this road leads in a bad place, this road leads in a good place. We know that, we've seen it, we've been scarred by it, we've felt it. We know it. See, we've had our, and maybe you're this person. Some of us have broken the hearts of those that love us most because of our decisions. And you've seen the hurt on your parents' face. You've seen the hurt on your spouse's face. You've seen the hurt on other people's faces that you love dearly because you chose folly instead of wisdom. Nobody has to convince you or me that this decision is huge. It's important. It impacts See, but yet in the midst of all we've seen and done and felt in the past, God in His grace puts two invitations before us. And the most important decision I will ever make is who I say yes to. Yeah, you've, you've hurt people as I have. You've been hurt by people as I have because of their decision. But God in His grace today says, hey, there's still two invitations. You you can choose wisdom or folly. It's before us. Folly offers a short-term adrenaline rush. It offers shallow relationships with other selfish people. And it ends in death. We all know that. Wisdom offers life. But in order to gain this life, you need to realize you have a need. You you can't get this life from wisdom if you don't think you need it. And you have to be willing to leave the path you're on. If you're going to go to wisdom's party. See, the most important decision I'll ever make is who I say yes to. So you're like, okay, Chris. When you put it that way, obviously it... Obviously, I want you to make a certain decision. Like, there's a path that I'd love for you to go on, just like I would my own family and myself. Like, yeah, there's a path that I'm hopefully nudging you towards and trying to make as clear as possible. But you say, okay, if I were to say yes to wisdom's invitation, like, how does that practically play out in my life? What does that look like tomorrow morning when I get up to go online for my school or I go to my job? Like, what does that look like? And really, two words come to mind as I think of that. The first word is the word relationship. 
Living a life characterized by God's wisdom starts with a relationship with God. And if you're in a place, whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with God, then that's where you start. And here's what you need to know, and you you may already know this. Your relationship with God is offered to you because of Jesus. Because Jesus loved you and I so much that he came to earth. He lived a sinless life. At the age of 33, he gave his life on the cross. He bled and died. He took my place. He took your place. He died for our sins. He paid for our penalty. Then they took his body off the cross, they put him in a grave, he rose from the grave, and he offers you and I a relationship, not based on our good works, not based on how bad our past was, he offers us a relationship. And if we're going to walk in wisdom, if we're going to say yes to wisdom, it starts with a relationship with God. And once we have this relationship started, here's what we do. We make it a priority to spend time with God and ask God to help us remove things from our life that would hinder our path to wisdom. It's a relationship. It's, I have a relationship with God, and because I do, I spend time with Him, and I, knowing I will jack this thing up all by myself, I ask God, God, help me to see the things in the path that are going to pull me away from wisdom, that are going to hinder my relationship with you. Help me get those out of my life. Help me be sensitive to those things. So relationship is, is one word, but the second word is this. It's the word remember. See, it's much easier to live a life characterized by God's wisdom when we remember why we started and what the outcome of this road will be. This is an important word in the, in the scriptures. It, all throughout the scriptures, it, re, it reminds us to remember. Because here's what God knows about us. You and I can start on a path and it can be as clear as day like, that's going to lead me to Santa Claus. That's going to lead me to a pit of hungry alligators. Pretty clear path. Like, I think I'm going to go this path. But here's what, here's what uh, God knows. Like, in the midst of our day-to-day life, we get foggy in our thinking. And so I have to remember that, you know what? Alligators' teeth are sharp. And they, it doesn't feel good to get my leg bit off by an alligator. And Santa Claus is jolly and fun. And so I'm going to keep going this way. I have to remember. Obviously, absurd illustration, but you get the point. Like, I have to remind myself as I spend time with God that, you know what? This path leads to death. This path leads to life. This is why I started on this path, and this is why I'm going to continue on this path. And for me, let me see how this plays out. Because I need this. And my family will tell you, like, I can forget within an hour. It doesn't take long for me to forget. I need to be reminded so in my morning, I've set aside some time in the morning where I will, I've just said, I'm not going to look at social media or the news or anything until I spend some time with God. And it's not like this long, like huge time, but it's, I spend time with God because I need to remember. And then on Tuesday night, if you're at my house, we got eight, 10 people at our house in a small group. And, and, and it's not for the other people, it's for me too. Because I need some brothers and sisters around me 
to remind me. That's why we talk about small groups here so much, because Satan, his, his whole strategy, one of them is just to isolate. So if he can isolate you and make you think, oh, I don't need that, I don't need that, I can do it on my own, he's like, golf clap for you, buddy. We'll, we'll see how long that lasts. And so I, we remember. So relationship and remember. That's why last week I challenged you, hey, do the Proverbs challenge with us. And, and what that is, is, hey, read the proverb of the day. So today is whatever day it is, 18th. So this morning I, I read Proverbs 18, as many of you did. Just, maybe just for this series, say, I'm going to just take 10 minutes a day and I'm going to spend time in that proverb and allow God to remind me why I'm on this path and why I'm not on this path. You, you may come from a family, and I'll, I'll close with this. You may come from a family where other people in your family have chosen Folly's invitation. And you've, you've been affected deeply. Maybe you've been in counseling or need to be. Maybe you need to be because, not because of stuff that was going on that you did, but because of other people in your life that chose folly over wisdom. And you have the shrap metal of that decision in your life because of their decision. And if that's you, and I know there's a lot of you that, that you'd say, that's, my, that's me, man. My, my encouragement to you is, what if you change that? Like, what if you were the first person in your family to change that? So that every person from now on can look back and say, hey, they chose wisdom and now I'm benefiting from that. Instead of feeling the scars of them choosing folly. Why don't you be that person? Even if nobody in your family's chosen wisdom and you've felt all the, all the bad things because of their decisions, what if you changed that and you said, no more. I'm going to choose wisdom. I'm going to follow wisdom. That is not going to be the testimony of my family going forward. Maybe you're in a situation and you would be the opposite. Others in your family they have. They've said yes to wisdom, and you have benefited from it. Your mom, your dad, your grandparents have, have followed wisdom, and you have benefited from it. Don't be the one in your family to break that chain. Don't be the one in your family that, hey, things were going great, and God was blessing that family, and generation after generation, they were saying yes to wisdom, and then so-and-so was born and broke the chain. Don't be that person that breaks the chain in your family if you've benefited from other people saying yes to wisdom. I'll leave you with this statement again. The most important decision I will ever make is who I say yes to. Choose wisely. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we come before you, and Lord, whether we're watching online this morning or whether we're here, Lord, we understand this whole idea of folly and wisdom. We have benefited from people that have chosen wisdom, but God, we've also been scarred. We've been emotionally hurt. We've seen things broken. We've seen relationships killed because others have chose the way of folly. And Lord, this morning we're here and we're, we're saying that 
on our own, we will choose folly every time. That's why a relationship with you is so important. And so in the, in the quietness of this room, as you maybe have evaluated your own life, maybe as we've talked a little bit, you've thought of people in your family that have chosen folly. And it's broken your heart. It's scarred you. You understand what it's like to go, to go to bed crying because of the pain of someone else choosing folly. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I've got a dad or a mom or a grandpa or a grandma that's chosen wisdom. And I, I've butted heads with them. I haven't always agreed with them. But I'm so thankful that they did. Because I've benefited. And just in the quietness of this room, it's a decision. Remember what I said earlier. There's not like a middle ground. There's not like a third party you get to go to. There's no rest stop. Like we're either headed to Folly's party or we're headed to Wisdom's party. We don't have a middle ground. Solomon didn't give us a third choice. So which direction are you going to go? And maybe just in the quietness of your heart, it's a time where you say, today's the day I need to start a relationship with God. Like it starts with that. And you just in the quietness of your heart, you cry out to God and you just say, God, I admit to you, I've, I've sinned. I admit to you, I am foolish. I admit to you on my own, I will mess this whole thing up. I have messed this thing up. But God, I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for all my screw-ups. And I believe he rose from the grave. And today, I want to start a relationship with him. Just in the quietness of your heart, whether you're watching online or you're here with us this morning. Just talk to God if you want to start a relationship with Him. Maybe you're here and you already have a relationship with God, but you would say, hey man, I've, I've forgotten. I have forgotten. I have not been reminding myself of why I chose to follow Jesus and what the, the end goal is and how big eternity is. I've forgotten. And maybe just in the quietness of this room, you would just between you and God say, God, I, I repent. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from doing it my way. I want to follow your wisdom. I want generations from now to look back at 2020 as a moment that the generation of our family changed because I chose wisdom over folly. God, I pray you would work in our hearts. Lord, for some of us, choosing your way is really going to be hard. It means a lot of changes in our life. But God, you say, just turn. And I'll carry you. And God, I pray we would. In Jesus' name, amen.